1: Radio Red in the house. I have three male guests today. I don't think that's happened in a long, long time. Can't wait to introduce them to you. But first, it's June 20th, the national new federal holiday, Juneteenth, if you're celebrating. I hope it's a good educational and cultural and meaningful one for all of you, new national holiday. And let's see now. I'm talking today to three very interesting people. But first, I need my guests to follow my lead, which I'm going to ask you to do several times during the show. On the count of three, you're going to join me in saying hello, L, L, L. Get ready. One, two, three. Hello, L, L, L. Aaron, that was one of the best. You can talk, to, Josh is my regular engineer, but Aaron is here today, and that was one of the best. LLL is lovely, lovely, lanky Laura Legs, my most loyal listener. That's a bunch of alliteration, isn't it, Jerry? Isn't it, Cecil? Isn't it, Mark? And she is in Whitestone, New York, on Long Island, sort of a neighbor of Long Island, and I've been trying to raise a fictitious GoFundMe for her for about five years now to get her to move to London. So it would be lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener in London, but since it's fictitious, and thank goodness I didn't invest in credit, crypto, that would have been worse. We haven't gotten her to move yet, Cecil, so she's still in (laughs) Whitestone, but we love her anyway. At 8.01 tonight, I will receive an email from Laura LLL. She calls herself Legs. She's very tall, and I met her in dance class years ago on Long Island. Very tall, very lanky. That's where it came from. She will email me at 8.01 p.m., and she will tell me what she got from listening to Cecil what she got from listening to you, Mark, and what she got from listening to Jerry. And she will tell me all of the takeaways she got from each of you. So Laura's listening. You all just better be on good behavior. So I'll here we are. What's that? You'll
2: probably get a headache from me. but
1: I don't know. You don't You don't want to predict that, Jerry. I think everybody knows you by now. This is the 171st day in 2022 of the Gregorian calendar. I always do a shout out to Greg, Gregory, Gregor, Greggy, whatever his mommy called him. We're still using his calendar. And I think that's pretty special. We should all be so lucky. Right, Cecil? That people are still talking about us hundreds and hundreds of years later. And I that's think right. they will be. We have 194 days left this year. This is the 25th Monday in the year and nobody gives a crap about about that except me. Sorry for the French there. The reason I give you 194 days left is because if you're planning something special to celebrate on New Year's Eve as we tip the calendar into 2023, and I think the fact that we're all alive and you all look well to me will be another year to celebrate, Go get something special from a wine store, a liquor store, or if you want kahlua, Jerry. There's a sink in your garage. I told your wife. Told me go start brewing your own kahlua. If there's a still in the backyard, some whiskey. Mark, I have to get you to smile. This show is all about. There we go. He cracked a smile. We got Mark to smile. Okay. So whatever you're planning, it's. Almost July, get something in the fridge or on ice or in the backyard for New Year's Eve. I'm telling you, it's going to go fast. So let me tell you who my guests are. I'm just going to read a little tiny bit about them, and then I'm going to have them introduce themselves. First up, we have Cecil Harris. He's a writer who has covered major sporting events, and he'll tell us about them. And he's the author of four books, including Different Strokes. Cecil, if you move to your right a little bit, my viewers on Facebook can see your book. I think you have a whole stock of them there. Different Strokes, Serena, Venus, and the Unfinished Black Tennis Revolution. Love the title. And you also wrote Breaking the Ice, The Black Experience in Professional Hockey and other books. Cecil, welcome. And you'll get to tell us more about yourself in just a minute. So wave hello to everybody. There's Cecil. Thank you very much. I met you at the Publicity Summit, President accounted for. Jerry Zezima, I never know how to pronounce your last name. You and I have been doing TV and radio together for 500 years, before Gregorian, I think. And I never no. Jerry writes a humor column. Be prepared for a bunch of groaners, gentlemen and audience, other audience. Uh, he has written six <laughs> books that he calls crimes against literature. Cecil, that's how Jerry feels about his writing. He's <laughs> written Leave it to Boomer. Not talking about me. The Empty Nest Chronicles, Grandfather Knows Best. We all remember the TV show, Father Knows Best. Nini and Poppy's Excellent Adventure, Every Day of Saturday, in One for the Ageless. So, Jerry, welcome. Wave hello, Jerry. There you go. Hey,
2: everybody.
1: And we also have a gentleman named Mark Rappaport with us. He's a very serious guy. He invented and was awarded a patent for the geothermal solar hybrid system back in 1978, and he worked on a biomass, I know, Cecil, this is serious, biomass power project that led to founding Biomass 1 LP and a 22 MW plant in Medford, Oregon. I lived in Eugene for years, Mark, and he's the founder of the Renewable Energy Scholarship Foundation, and believe it or not, I invited Mark to join us because Somewhere in that mad brilliant scientist mind of his, he has a creative streak. And that's what we're gonna talk about today, Mark. So be prepared to put on the creative side of your brain. Mark, wave hello to everybody.
3: Well, hello, and I'll I'll put up my book.
1: There that's you go. The on, author of, on the verge of tomorrow. On the
3: verge of tomorrow.
1: And you can talk about that a little bit later on. So thank you very much, gentlemen. I'm delighted to have you here. Here's what's going to happen. Cecil Harris, I'm putting you on full screen speaker view. So behave yourself, okay? Everybody can see you. And Jerry and Mark and I will be in the background. The viewers won't see us at that moment in time. But if you say something very charming or very funny or very something, I'm going to go to full gallery view. So Jerry and Mark, you might be on camera and you won't know when. So just mind your manners. So Cecil, Welcome. Would you please spend about three minutes giving us the real bio? Who is Cecil Harris? Welcome.
4: Well, thank you for inviting me, Red. It's great to be in such an esteemed company. I'm Cecil Harris, an author and a journalist. I've written four books on sports and literally hundreds of articles on sports. I've been in four documentaries, two on tennis, two on hockey. A hockey documentary called Black Ice was produced by the basketball superstar LeBron James. It's coming out later this year. I've been into tennis documentaries as well. And I will be hosting a podcast starting in July called All-American, Venus and Serena about the fabulous, iconic Williams sisters, two tennis icons who really have inspired me and sparked my own creativity. I love to write about sports, basically at the intersection of sports and popular culture. And the Williams sisters really inspire me because they are living out a most unlikely dream. Their father had this crazy tennis dream of turning his two youngest daughters into world tennis champions. He had no tennis background. He had to buy videos and VHS tapes back in the day to teach himself enough to teach his wife and his daughters how to play and look where they are. So I think anything is possible when you see an example of what they've been able to do. And it really stirs my creative juices to see what they have been able to accomplish. Because I see creativity as being able to put a new spin on something that seems familiar. You know, tennis was familiar to many people, but Blacks were not necessarily part of tennis history as champions. But Venus and Serena changed all that. And now we have two generations of young people who have grown up seeing Black women winning major tennis titles. So that normalizes it to them. And representation matters. So I try to do the same thing with my writing. Show that you can write about just about anything. As long as you put your heart and soul into it and really tap into your creative spirit, you can introduce a subject to someone who may have thought they already knew the subject, but you can put a fresh spin on things. And that makes it even that much more interesting.
1: Thank you, Cecil. Great, great intro. And I have a question for you. I don't normally ask interview questions, but... Who is Cecil Harris before he discovered he wanted to be a sports writer? What was your background? Were you writing books when you were in third grade? Uh, Do you have a relative? Just briefly, how did you get into writing as a profession? That's what I want to know.
4: Okay. I was in high school when a high school teacher said, after grading one of my essays and giving me an A, you could be a writer. You could do this for a living. And that really put me on the path because- here was a teacher I respected telling me I could do this for a living, that I'm not just someone who can write a good essay in school, but I, if I really cultivate my skills, I could become a writer. So I chose Fordham University because I wanted to write about sports primarily. And Fordham turns out a great number of sports journalists. Journalists, period. Charles Osgood came out of Fordham, Vin Scully. Uh, when I was a Yankees beat writer, in the mid 90s, four of the eight Yankee beat writers were Fordham graduates. So I did my homework and found a school where they can really develop you as a writer. And that really set me on my path. Like a lot of kids growing up in New York, I grew up in Brooklyn, New York, I wanted to be an athlete. But it was a blessing in disguise that I wasn't quite talented enough to be an athlete. So I did the next best thing.
1: I wrote about it, wrote about athletes. Thank you. That's what I was looking for. That, that <laughs> nugget of where did it come from? What started you off? What gave oh. you the inspiration that your, your background? I'm thrilled to hear about the, the Williams sisters and I'm, I follow them and I think they're fabulous and they're gorgeous too, by the way, I have a relative who went to a very high end executive dinner in New York a couple months ago for people who were at the tops of their companies, name brand companies. He's, a, a relative was very close to me, and he sat next to Venus, who was the keynote speaker. Oh, and he took fantastic. a couple of selfies and said, sent them to me and said, Do you know who this is who is sitting next to me? I said, Hell yes. So, anyway, that was, that was quite a thrill. Uh, but I was looking for that nugget because when we talk about creativity, we talk about what's the spark. You know, people say, yeah. Well, I'm not a good writer. Well, I'm not a good dancer. Well, I'm not this. I'm not that. And then we have Jerry. <laughs> <clears throat> i'm sorry that was a terrible segue jerry gotta you listen how many times have you been on my tv show when i was in new york at patv right and how uh, many not,
2: ta- not more than 1700 times at,
1: i know at least so i i nabbed you for this one because i needed a third guest and i said you know i think jerry's going to be perfect for this i know cecil and mark are going to get along with you i'm sure cecil will. mark i'm not so sure but we're going to introduce <laughs> him in a second mark you can smile again now jerry putting you on speaker view give us the quick tour you can have four minutes because because Cecil took five. So go ahead, Jerry. Who Who is Jerry now? And how did you get to be who you are? Go ahead.
2: Well, I'll tell you, first of all, thank you again for being a glutton for punishment for having me back on. Um, you did pronounce my last name correctly. It, it is Zezma. Um, I couldn't pronounce it till I was in high school. So you're doing very well. <laughs> Speaking of high school, as Cecil did, um, I knew I wanted to be a writer when I was in high school. And my decision could be encapsulated in one word, algebra. I could never do algebra. I was always better in subjects where you really didn't have to know the answer. So um, like English composition. Now, Cecil talked about writing essays. We had to write an essay on a particular subject. I forget what it was and then get up in front of the class and read it. Nobody wanted to do this, except me. Everyone took it seriously, except me. I wrote the silliest, stupidest, dumbest, funniest stuff I could think of. (laughs) My essay got big laughs, and a little light bulb went off in my otherwise empty head, and I said, aha, I can do this. And um, I was the class clown. And my professional goal was to be silly and irresponsible and actually get paid for it. So I said, how can I do this? So I said, I know. I'll go into journalism and I'll get a humor column. And I read Art Buckwald and Irma Bombeck in my hometown paper, The Stanford Advocate. So a year out of college, I went to The Stanford Advocate and announced that I wanted a job. And the editor said, what experience do you have? And I said, I have none. I didn't write for the high school paper. I didn't write for the college paper. So instead of throwing me out, he gave me a test. Fortunately, it wasn't an algebra test. Um, It was general knowledge, uh, history, grammar, stuff like that. And I did well enough because I was hired. But there are some questions to which I did not know the answers. So instead of taking half-hearted guesses or leaving them blank, I remembered what I did on that essay in high school. And I made it the silliest, stupidest, dumbest, funniest stuff I could think of. And he said later on, the editor, that's what got you Mm -hmm. the job. It showed signs of creativity.
1: Really? So I was
2: many things. I was Mm -hmm. a copy boy. Then, Cecil, you'll be interested in this. I was a sports writer for eight years. Um, I I covered everything from Little League Baseball to professional football. I covered uh, Major League Baseball, college stuff. And But my goal was to get a humor column, and I guess I failed miserably one thing after another, and there was really nothing left to do, but write a humor column, and they gave it to me. And uh, instantly, it became nationally syndicated, and this was in 1985, so I've been doing this for 37 years of inflicting myself on the reading public.
1: Well, I appreciate what you said. That's interesting. Jerry, there must have been something in your spirit that said, I'm going to write this, you use the words, the stupidest, the silliest, the funniest essay. I'm not going to take it seriously. You must have had some kind of inner self-confidence, right, Cecil and Mark, that said, I'm a high school kid and I'm just going to break all the rules. I'm not going to, I'm just going to do what I want to do and the heck with that. And and you, you captured them, and you got a job based on that. I will tell you, I took a public speaking class in high school with a very tough teacher. And what I did was I took my mother's Joy of Cooking cookbook, and I picked a recipe for baking bread, and I delivered that in class. And I discovered, first of all, they told me I was violating the copyright by, by using the book. It's like, no, I'm holding it here. I'm not stealing anything. i didn't print it and sell it. Anyway, and I discovered I had a love of talking in public to people and it was it was an amazing experience I said I, I didn't want to sit down they said all right the yeast was rising the flour was in there you were making the challah you were making the bread sit down Bonnie you're ready. well Bonnie's my real name anyway it was just arrived. but this this I, so so far Mark we're waiting for you to have a high school experience you're going to share with us we're getting some high school experiences here that I didn't expect we don't usually talk about that Jerry thank you very much I appreciate that looking for the groaners thank you very much. And Mark Rappaport. So patient. You're you're my the person I didn't even expect to invite on the show about creativity. And I can't wait for you to wow us. No pressure. Mark, tell us about who you are, please. And welcome. well,
3: you know, the initial response to, to being invited on is this is all new to me. Uh, I'm not used to having my persona, you know, in the public. Uh, unlike Jerry I was an A student in mathematics. Uh, I was offered a math honors program. I won't say where, but one of the big universities. And I turned it down because it wouldn't include a scholarship because I couldn't afford to not have help to go to school. I put myself through school. That be- That is in part what growing up for me was after my father died when I was 10. and. We moved from New Jersey to San Francisco, and I was a street kid in San Francisco till I hit high school. Now, high school for me was a pretty miserable experience. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well. You know, what's new? I think most kids don't realize that you got to get through the agony of high school to get on with life. And that uh, there wasn't a lot of humor in the family. Uh, My father was a humorist and and he left the scene early, but uh, I just poured myself into the science that he introduced me to. I mean, I guess there was something exciting about high school when our physics teacher took myself and somebody uh, else to university of California, Berkeley to the physics lab. And uh, we got a, kitchen tour of the nuclear research lab and a nuclear reactor. And I got to participate and fire a neutron into the bubble chamber and watch subatomic particle arrays. And that was like 1962. So that exploded my mind. And that drove me to think of different solutions uh, because I love designing houses in junior high school. I really had some of my house designs exhibited uh, in San Francisco schools. And I loved to build things and I loved to make models. And uh, later on, I designed and built my own houseboat wow. from from recycled materials. So what? that's an. Exp- oh, yeah, it was. Yeah, I got written up uh, nationally uh, because I used recycled materials. And that was in the early 70s.
1: You, you were decades ahead of your time, ahead of the, the green movement, ahead of e- e- ecology, ahead of environmentalism. Mark, what was going through your mind? Recycled materials on a houseboat? Tell us a little bit more. This is interesting. Well, this
3: is, this is what's interesting. A friend of mine who I was crashing on his couch because that's all I could afford. And uh, he said, hey, there's this burned houseboat float. Uh, you can get it really cheap. I said, really? Okay. So I took a tax return and I bought the houseboat float. Then I had to clean all of this houseboat float off and uh, sitting and drinking in in the Goose Hollow Pub in Portland, chatting with some friends who are architects and uh, others. Uh, I said, hey, I got to design a house. And so I sketched out something on a couple of pieces of eight and a half by 11 paper. And they said, oh, Mark, that'll really work, okay. So that's how I started and after I cleaned it all off and moved the timbers uh I got uh I got to building this uh it's it's really more or less a, like a New England style uh house. Uh it took me a number of years to do it. I'd go to a recycling yard and I'd find windows and I'd find doors uh I hand split the cedar shakes on the house that I clad the house with those kinds of things. Um,
1: Mark, this is fascinating. I'm going to interrupt you a second because I just finished four 90 minute episodes of a TV series, a new one, and I'm hoping they renew it called the Chelsea detective. And in it, the detective whose name is D.I. Arnold, Max Arnold, D.I. detective inspector lives on a houseboat. And when I finished the fourth episode and his his ex-wife keeps saying, "Max, would you please live somewhere you're living like a high school student. You know, you've got two two old-fashioned burners in there. He has this fancy coffee machine he said she broke after the divorce. He took it. But he he's living like and the, the water doesn't run half the time and he's brushing his teeth and rinsing it out of a bottle of water and somebody comes and he says, "I can't offer you water cuz I just brushed my teeth with it." Anyway, the the po- bottom line is Mark, they I, I watched episode 101, 102, 103, which those of you who watch these serials will know, Cecil may know, these are behind-the-scenes little mini-episodes. And it was one about how did they pick the costumes for the different characters in the show? And one was how did they make the scenery? And the answer was they replicated, Mark, the interior of the houseboat in an actual studio so they could take out walls and get the cameras where they needed to. But they put in portholes, and they put in the interior, and they replicated what the actual And there was a real houseboat where they did most of the filming, in the wind and in the rain. But, Mark, I, 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 I just finished watching it but, last night, and I'm thinking... Go ahead, Mark. Talk to me. Well,
3: you, you talk about houseboats. And growing up in San Francisco and, <laughs> and hanging around Sausalito, the houseboats in some of Sausalito are some of the most creative original houseboats that exist. They're different than house, people who live on houseboats in Southeast Asia or some other places. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'd love to look at the architecture. I was going to be an architect. Uh, but how do I explain how my mother was this wonderful, brilliant woman who was a real environmentalist. And we would have conversations about what was happening in the environment. And I got to thinking, well, it's not enough time here to explain how I got introduced to physics at uh, Princeton University by my father and have a physicist explain nuclear research to me in a lab there at Princeton when I was five. And. (laughs) Yes, I was a precocious kid.
1: (laughs) Talk about creative child rearing. I think that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a family that gave you entree and introduced you to so many different principles. Mark, I appreciate that. What I want you to do is mention your book briefly, and then I want to move on. But give us a little bit more. I I didn't remember what you were going to talk about creative wise on the show, but I knew it was something I invited you for. What is this?
3: On yep. the verge of tomorrow is my vision for the multiplicity of using renewable and conservation and solving the climate global warming problem. And it's not gonna happen because of what governments do. We've seen how many meetings uh, leaders have gone to and what are the result? Yes, things are happening in a, in a big way, but the biggest solution is when people individually decide hey i have a choice well right now some will say i don't know what to do well this book is a simplified version of hey you can do change a light bulb from from incandescent to led hey put a nest thermostat automatic on your wall change your old mechanical system and you can save money the day you put those in, as well as very common conservation fines. Okay. But Thank I go beyond that for policy you. and how to do it. So it goes much further.
1: Thank you, Mark. Very interesting. I think we've discovered a lot about each, about all of ourselves. By the way, gentlemen, just so you know, I'm considered an early woman in tech because I was what we used to call a programmer analyst back in the 1970s. Not when Grace Hopper was inventing COBOL, but I was a user, a coder in COBOL on a Xerox Sigma 6 CP5. And I have two degrees after my degree in psychology from Sarah Lawrence and Boston University. I got two two degrees from another college in programming and operations. And I found out just two years ago that I'm considered an early woman in tech. And I didn't know that. I, I didn't know that I had a pedigree that went back that far. But we're talking, Mark. I was coding in the key punch days. I was coding when I had to stand on a step stool to put a disc pack into the drive. The disc pack was this big with the data on it. And I I was wearing high heels and a lot of, fancy suits and skirts. I had to step up on a step stool to put the disc pack into the drive and drop it in from the top. Those were the days when I was writing JCL and working with operators in huge computer rooms. So I think we all have a little bit, very interesting tech backgrounds. Um, yes. And how I end up as a radio host? Who in the hell knows? And probably nobody cares, but here I am. So what I would like to do, gentlemen, thank you for the bios. You are all fascinating to me, each one of you in your own way and all of you together as a group. I don't pick my guests to say, oh well, Jerry would be really good with Cecil, and of course, Mark would be interesting with Cecil and with Jerry. I just invite people to the show, and it just falls out this way. And I'm finding the three of you are all very, very powerful on the creative side, right, Cecil? Very yep. interesting. Who, who you, you never know who you're going to meet on my radio show. Let's do a couple of uh, interesting things here. I've got all kinds of stuff to talk about, but you have all, you all were asked to please send me a fic. Character, quote, fictional from a movie or a TV show or a song lyric that you're going to relate to our topic of creativity. I want you to just do two minutes because we have a lot of catching up to do. I love the bios. Don't take me wrong on that. Cecil Harris has sent me a quote, one of my favorites, and this is a, a favorite of people who come on my business radio shows I I have created 52 radio series in the past 11 years and my business shows they bring me a similar quote but they're related to a business topic like industry 4.0 or the future of manufacturing or future of automotive or uh, business model re- re- regeneration all that good stuff so serious stuff so here we go Cecil sent us a quote I love this one character is Colonel Nathan Jessup played by the one the only the premier person Jack Nicholson the A Few Good Men, 1992 American legal drama film, based, of course, on Aaron Sorkin's 1989 play. And here is the quote, courtroom drama at its best. You can't handle the truth. Cecil, I'm putting you back in speaker view. What does this have to do with creativity? Talk to me.
4: Well, I want to give a shout out to the writer Aaron Sorkin, as you did, because that line really is just five words, but the way Aaron Sorkin set it up in that interrogation scene, Taught me the importance of building drama as a storyteller. It's not enough to just have all the facts and figures, but you have to make the reader keep turning those pages, make them want to continue to follow on and learn more about what you're writing, what you have to share. So I just love that climactic expression from Jack Nicholson to Tom Cruise. You can't handle the truth. With a lesser actor, it might not have been as powerful, but it just made a strong impression on me and really helped me as a storyteller, as a creative writer. So I go back to that movie. I watch that movie from time to time just to see that scene again, and it can often give me the impetus to get through a chapter in a particular book that I'm working on.
1: Interesting. And I'm going to take it and apply it a little even more, more broadly, Cecil, and say, when I say to people, you have a, somewhere a creativity, what? I'm not a dancer. I'm not a singer. I'm not a photographer. I'm not a writer. I'm not Jerry. I'm not Cecil. Maybe I'm Mark. And say, you can't handle the truth. There is a creative side to you, the way you live your life. We're all doing improv, right? There's no script, right? There isn't a script. Nobody said to you, you're going to do this on this day and you're going to do that on that day. We're all improving there is a creativity, In everybody, and that's why I don't limit the the my my creatives. I call all of you on my show to just people who sing or dance or make pretty pictures or do bowls on a kiln and all that good stuff. So thank you very much. I, I appreciate that. I hadn't thought of that way. I'm using it, and I appreciate that. Let's go to Jerry's quote. Jerry has picked a quote from Ralphie's mom, played by an actress named. Melinda Dillon, A Christmas Story, 1983 Ralphie played by Peter Billingsley is a Hoosier kid in the 1940s who wants more than anything. Oh no, Jerry, you didn't. A BB gun for Christmas and his oh, geez. and his, oh, we're not going to do any, any connecting to what's going on in the world today. And his mother says, you'll shoot your eye out. Okay, Jerry, let's get the creativity link on this. You got to help me here.
2: Okay. Well, first of all, she was not the only one to tell Ralphie, you'll shoot your eye out. Santa Claus said it to him. Uh, everyone said it to him. And I like the character, the kid who is creative in trying to get what he wants for Christmas, but also the writer, Gene Shepard, who was a fabulous humorist who used um, his own childhood as the basis for this movie and a lot of um, his essays and his books. And so he's one of my favorites. Um, Irma Bombeck, Art Buchwald, Robert Benchley, probably the funniest writer who ever lived. um, They were role models for me. But for that particular quote, Gene Shepard used creatively a way for a nine-year-old boy to circumvent all the, um, the adults who threw roadblocks in front of him. And spoiler alert, um, the only one he didn't ask for the gun is the one who got it for him.
1: Interesting. Okay, sure. well, we'll have yep. to go back. Now, what year was that movie again, it's Jerry? That movie was... With...
2: 1983.
1: 1983, go
2: ahead. But, but Gene Shepard himself, as a writer using his own experiences um, in his childhood, and in his, you know, adult life, um, was was great. So I, I thought that was very creative.
1: I like the old movies. Forty years ago, we've got a couple of vintage ones. Forty years ago, and when was nineteen ninety two? A few good men, yeah. So we're going back in time. We're going back even farther, courtesy of Mr. Mark Rappaport. And this quote is from nineteen forty four. American, I love these quotes, Mark. American romance war adventure film. We're putting so many genres together. We need dashes here. The movie is To Have and To Have Not. Slim, played by the wonderful, late, great actress and beautiful person, Lauren Bacall. To Harry, played by none other than bogey humphrey bogart they're sharing their first and second kiss and she tells bogart that he doesn't need to do anything else to get her attention and here's the quote you know how to whistle don't you steve you put your lips together and blow <laughs> mark did i do that okay
3: <laughs> yeah you did. I mean, it was such a memorable scene it's a, have somebody that beautiful and make that kind of a remark And of course, there was an age difference. There was quite a bit, but the chemistry was real, and that is what stuck out for me: is that kind of real chemistry that people can have uh, and love for each other that develops from that kind of chemistry—a real deep love. Um, That that's really what's important in life, and I think that's a lot of what creativity fosters. It's people's expression of their love for their family, their love for their community, and love for life. And how do you express your, your, your love for life in a way that manifests itself either personally or more largely to the larger audience globally?
1: Thank you, Mark. I appreciate the quote. It was... It was a lovely moment. And talk about, Jerry, talk about creative writing. I mean, to have an actress of her caliber say to an actor of Bogart's caliber, you know how to do it, Steve. Just put your lips together and blow. I mean, just think about how how rich that is, the idea that you can do it. Anybody can do it, and I'm waiting for you. I'm expecting you to do it, and it's going to make all the difference in the world to both of us. It's just, it's delicious. Mark, thank you. You you, you really really did. You were very creative in picking your quote, Mark, and I appreciate that. Let's go to the segment of famous people. I have a couple of birthdays. Uh, I, instead of doing a whole bunch of stars who had birthdays, I'm doing a little differently. I usually do a wacky calendar at this point in the show. Different holidays you've never heard of, but I found another website that gave. Me some interesting ideas so I'm talking about being creative i'm going to give you some famous birthdays and if you know who the person is or you your follower of them if they're a movie star or a singer or whatever just waiver say happy birthday so first of all martin landau you all remember him mission impossible and all kinds of sh- yes he's 94 today can you oh. bl- i know i know jerry do you remember martin landau i do mission impossible yeah. remember that early he, he, team- all,
2: he also i believe played uh bella mm-hmm. Did yeah. he? Um, oh, gosh. What was the name of the movie? But he, he's he's a, a wonderful actor. Great range.
1: Yes, absolutely. And here's a singer, songwriter, producer has a great range. What about Brian Wilson from the Beach Boys is 80 today.
0: Oh, that-
1: Beach Boys, 80. And Anne Murray, anybody, everybody remember the yep. Canadian singer Snowbird? Yes, yep. Yeah. Voice like Velvet. Sure. She's 77 years old today. And here's another icon. He's a little bit younger, but not much. Lionel Richie. Oh, so uh, many yes. songs. Remember the Commodores? And he came oh, yeah. out with the Commodores? He's 73 today. I hear that's a very good age. Nobody say anything. And John Goodman, the actor who started out in Roseanne. And I didn't know, I don't remember. He's in the Big Lebowski in 1998. Yeah. And he's done animated film voiceovers he's 70 today and here we have a the baby of the birthday group Nicole Kidman believe it or not is 55. Wow. how did how did that happen seriously <laughs> and the movie they put up is she was in Moulin Rouge yeah that and about 150 other movies and TV shows yeah. and I have a, an event in the past a little bit of a mem- in memoriam 1987 on this day in history. Johnny Carson married his fourth wife. I thought that was very, very important for all of you to know. Now, This Day in Music, I have some music history. Um, Neil Young released Tonight's the Night in 1975 on June 20th. Foreigner released Double Vision. Lionel Richie received his star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame on his 54th birthday in 2003. And this is a shocker. Paul McCartney performed his 3000th live show Happened to be in Russia on this day in 2004. Today, I don't think that would have happened. No comment. I have a couple of this day in sports and then a few holidays. Um, after eight rounds, Cecil, this one's for you, 1940. After eight rounds, Joe Lewis's TKO Arturo Godoy for the heavyweight boxing title. He TKO'd Arturo Godoy. So Joe Lewis, yes, okay. round bomber. There you go, nineteen forty. Who who remembers this stuff? Here's another sports one. I think this is well. It's for sports. This is all for you. everybody. Don't listen. Just this, is just for for Cecil. Joe DiMaggio hit his two thousandth hit on this day in nineteen fifty. Okay. Was it Marilyn Monroe then? Was it? I don't. I don't know. I don't. Nineteen fifty. Jerry was he oh, with no, Marilyn? That was, Monroe?
2: that was that was pre Marilyn. I think. Oh, pre, yeah, way way like pre
1: Marilyn. I think Now here's one. Dave Kingman of the Oakland A's hit his third Grand Slam and 14th lifetime in 1984 on this day. Cecil, I just happened to pick sports. in. And LeBron James for the second year was named the NBA Finals MVP in 2013 on this day.
4: He's amazing. Do you like those? Hockey documentary that I'll be in. I look forward to meeting him one day.
1: (laughs) Those were for you. Now here this week in history, you're welcome. This week is amateur radio week. I still think I'm an amateur, although not really anymore. Fish are friends, not food week. Jerry, can you do anything in a column with that one? Fish are friends, not food. I'm expecting.
2: Uh, I, would, I, I would write it just for the hell of it. I,
1: there you go. It's National Camping Week. Mark, do you ever go camping?
3: We Growing up, only at Scout's.
1: There you yes. go. Okay. Well, it's National Camping Week. It's also Craft Spirits Week. I think the spirits you drink and not, hey, there's a spirit in the room. It's National. You got to forgive me on this one. It's National Forgiveness Week. See, so you got to forgive me for that one. It's You're light. Forgetting. Thank you. Lightning Safety Awareness Week. Uh, we we have. I'm in Durham, and we have tornado watches here, Jerry. And a tornado in Durham is for about 10 minutes. The wind blows so hard that the myr- crepe myrtle in front of my house goes sideways. It just almost hits the ground. And then you have rain, torrential rain for about eight minutes, and then you get sunshine again. So I call this Florida weather, you know, the squalls. This is called a tornado. I'm sorry. I just, that's as bad as it gets. It's uh, national.
2: C- Cecil, Cecil will probably agree with me when I say <laughs> that uh, the Colorado Avalanche are in Lightning Awareness Week. Oh, definitely. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Leading the helicopter <laughs> kind of final, but sure.
1: There you go. It's you also it. it, National man. Roller Coaster Week. I think life is a roller coaster these days. It's all time Fiddler's Week. Da, 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 da. That's the third full week in June. It's Take Your Dog to Work Week. Seriously? Well, if everybody's on, on Zoom and, and, and Teams and all that, your dog's in the house, so you're taking it to work eventually. I tell people on my radio shows if a dog, a cat, fish, or a person of any shape, size, or age comes into the room, you have to introduce them and they make a cameo on my shows. You can't just say, oh, that's my dog. I need to know the name. It's also Wobbly Week. I'm not sure what that is. Today is American Eagle Day. It's American International Asteroid Day. Watch out! I'm sorry. I had to do that. It's Jerry, that was for you. It's National Hike with a Geek Day. If you take me hiking, I think I'm a geek. I would go for a hike. Not really. It's National Ice Cream Soda Day, Vanilla Milkshake Day. I think we could do that. It's New Identity Day. Don't tell anybody you were here. It's Plain Yogurt Day. Cecil, do you eat yogurt? Not anymore. I used to. (laughs) Yeah. Mark, what about you? You a yogurt fan? Yeah. Plain or plain or the stuff inside, honey, yo-
3: honey yogurt.
1: I and I like to put honey on my yogurt. I like that too. It's ride to work day in a motorcycle. Jerry, do you own a motorcycle yet?
2: Uh, I I can barely keep my balance in a car okay. let alone a motorcycle. So. <laughs> well, those by of you by the who- way, I get my culture from yogurt.
1: Uh-huh. Very good. And those of you who didn't want to take your dog to work week today is take your cat to work day. So either way you got to, you know, pet and it's World productivity day. And I have a couple of others for today. It's the ugliest national ugly dog day. I, I don't understand that, and all the other holidays you've got. Let's We have some a few minutes left, like so 13, 14 minutes. Let's go through some of your creativity statements. I'm going to read. You each were very gracious and sent me four each. I'm going to pick one of yours just ad hoc. I will read it to you. I won't say, Cecil, talk about number one. I'm not going to do that to you. So Cecil, I'm reading your number one statement. You said, I relish the challenge of filling a blank computer screen with facts and dialogue that take both myself and the reader to a different place. Talk to me about that. I call it the tabula rasa moment, the the clean slate. Talk to yes. me. What? How does that spark your creativity?
4: Well, having a journalism background really forced me to be able to confront that because when they send you out to cover something, you have to come back with some information. A blank page won't cut it. So basically it just forces you to think quickly, right as you watch and organize your thoughts mm-hmm. and do it in a way that But if the story is interesting to people, they'll keep reading your work, your bosses will be happy, you'll get a raise, you'll go, you'll progress in your career. So the pressure of having tabula rasa, the blank slate, and just having to fill it with information, not just the facts and figures, but in a way that is interesting and grabs people's attention and holds their attention, I really embrace that challenge. So that's how I see doing journalism not just the facts ma'am but also doing it in a way that's interesting
1: very interesting and and engagement is the whole point and yep. you have that's what i said to all of you before we started the show if the listeners don't think you're all happy to be here and engaged in the conversation they'll say yeah what i actually i tell that on all my business shows to my guests i say you have to be engaged you're here for a reason you're an expert on a topic part of a panel but people will click off if they don't feel that engagement and cecil they won't read If they said, oh, this is kind of boring. I heard that already. It's like, oh, why did he waste his time? But going back to the blank slate, when I was a programmer, I could take write 2,000 lines of code in a weekend and have it up and running on Monday morning with maybe one or two little syntax errors. I wasn't perfect, but I was pretty damn close. But my point is that challenge of, say, somebody said, here's a report. We need this report. It's going to have these, these 15 fields. It's going to be these columns, these rows. And this is the information, the report. I worked for the community college uh, system in the state of Oregon for, for many years as a program analyst. That's where I started as a woman in tech. And I was given... Basically, Jerry and Mark, I was just told, go do it. There there was nothing there. There was no there there. It was me there. And so I would just say, okay, here's my skills. Here's what I'm going to do in COBOL. I was in a top-down programming. Write the code, write the breaks, write the workarounds, write the back and forths, all the branches, and just do it. 2,000 lines later, the report was there and it benefited somebody. So that idea... And now, and I'm writing a novel. I'll tell you all about it later. I can't talk about it too much because people will, Jerry, I need a pseudonym because nobody can know it's really me or they will run me out of town. We'll talk about that later. Thank you very much, Jerry. Creativity statement number one. I'm picking this one because I thought it was kind of cute. You say creativity means finding a way to avoid real work. Jerry, honestly, go ahead.
2: I, I I have worked long and hard, Red, to avoid. Working long and hard, um, but your the stuff that I that I write um, sort of seems, I guess, like you just dashed it off. But it's really a lot harder than that. And um, I love doing it as Cecil loves what uh, what he does. I found out early on that I am spectacularly unqualified to do anything else. So, um, this is what I, my pet, my passion is, is doing this, um, writing humor. Um, I, I think it's important for people to see themselves in the kind of stuff that I write about. I write about family foibles and the funny little things of everyday life. Uh, if I may, I got to hold up my most recent book, mm-hmm. one for the ageless. Uh, I, this is why I'm not in sales. Um, <laughs> so one for the ageless. How to stay young and immature, even if you're really old. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's important, is to to feel young, even if you really aren't. And if you still are hungry and are passionate about what you do, uh, whatever it is, um, whether it is uh, Mark, uh, his work in renewable energy, uh, Cecil, his writing, his sports writing, um, or, or me, uh, with... Which is, you know, writing stuff that has no redeeming social value. Um, <laughs> I I just love doing that, and um, so if it seems like I dashed it off, I I really didn't. Um, it, it work goes into it.
1: I know it does, and, and you're reminding me of Robin Williams, and people often said he just walked into a room and he riffed and he just worked with the audience, he play, play, played off of them, and it was all off the top. That man worked damn hard at his comedy. He put a lot into creating that the thought, the train of thought and the threads that he just but the passion in being a comedian I'm talking what he was doing public live appearances he made it sound like it was just right there Jerry and isn't that the goal to make it sound like you it just tripped off your tongue it just tripped off your pen and make it sound like you just came up with it and it's unique for that audience yeah. Isn't that a beautiful thing? I, I said that just for you, just to make you smile, just to make you laugh. When it, It's something he'd been working on. We all know Jay Leno used to do uh, open mic stand-up. And I think he was one of the people who would bring, this is pre-phone day, a recorder. And he would go from five open mics a night, I read once, and he would listen in between to see which jokes got the laughs and which got the audience appreciation and, and engagement. And then he would refine his routine based on what landed
3: well red can i interrupt
1: you yes (laughs) go ahead mark
3: please my my mother was friends with robin williams mother and he we went he went to the same high school i did Um, my mother would tell me some stories that she was hilarious so he didn't just all make that up it came from where his family from his mother as she told it, as my mother explains it.
1: Thank you. Thank you. That was lovely. I didn't know that about you. That's really cool. Mark, you're a man of, of many background skills and secrets hidden behind the... Well, you know, there's more.
3: Jerry said he avoided hard work. Well, I couldn't. Yet, yeah, being young, I had to work hard and long. I worked in a sawmill pulling chain, one of the hardest jobs there was. And as for coding... Coding didn't exist when I was in college, and I found writing bit, you know, ones and zeros and machine language boring. Just (laughs) boring as hell. Nothing could bore me more than writing ones and zeros for machine language. So when they said, hey, we got these new languages, I said, Todd, I'm not in school anymore. What do I need that for?
1: There you go. See see how far everything has come? Yes, I, re- I remember the good old days. And by the way, I was asked to be the kickoff speaker for a group called the Women in Big Data in 2021 on March 8th for International Women's Day. And from my talk to these young women around the world, I dug up pictures of old mainframe computer rooms, and I still have my silver-covered COBOL book. I have reams of green bar paper with my handwritten notes about my com- programs and, and what I was asked to, to compose, basically, the reports and the, the specs from somebody who called me up on the phone in Salem, Oregon, and said, okay, this is the report we need. Go write it. And I still had all that, all those memorabilia, basically, and I put it on, on the screen and showed it to the women, and they said, what? planet are you from yeah before you were even born but it was an interesting time mark thank you and mark it's your turn i'm looking at something i didn't expect from you one of your creativity statements here and i'm looking at number two and you say if i'm playing my guitar i didn't know you played the guitar mark if i'm playing my guitar and i hit a riff that i like i can expand on it if i'm jamming with friends i respond to theirs their licks Mark, you play guitar too? Talk to us. Well,
3: I haven't played for a number of years. Who cares? (laughs) Oh, yeah. Well, I did play with some very uh, interesting jazz musicians in Portland for years. Uh, I played with an improv group in uh, Gaelic music. You know, they'll have the groups that do it. I played there for several years. And I I just, it just carries me away. And... uh, the music takes over and that is an instant that's what people love jazz about especially the musicians playing jazz is you are creating and speaking in the language of music which is another expression of emotion and love
2: wow.
3: and the range of emotions that can happen jazz is absolutely important
1: <laughs> Absolutely, very interesting. I, I'm a drummer past couple of years, uh, Jerry. You didn't know that, and I was playing it, here in Cary. There are open mic nights, and I had a couple I really liked. And I had you get to come and bring three songs. So my typical songs would be old time rock and roll, Bob Seger and Mustang Sally, and sometimes The Thrill is Gone by B.B. King. Now, think of the range of those three songs. Could they be any different? But what happened, I found everybody wanted to play more like the metal stuff and the ballads, and they'd sing, and they'd croon. and i get up, and they'd say, okay, what do you want to do? And I said, we're starting off with Mustang Sally, and they'd say, what? And they'd say, okay, who wants to come up? And I'm on the drums, and they say, who wants to come up and play with her? So three guitars would come up, and maybe a keyboard, and four singers, Before you knew it, Mark, the whole place was rocking. People were clapping and they were dancing and they were singing along and ride, Sally, ride. One night, the musicians kept my Mustang Sally going for over 12 minutes. I thought I was going to pass out. I'm wearing my little drummer boots, my black stockings a jacket sparkly you know me looking like this three layers of clothing I'm in the back it's 110 degrees in the shade I'm drumming it's like when's this song gonna be over and then I did all-time rock and roll my three songs were something like 21 minutes I had friends in the audience who said we're gonna come up and take her stick she's gonna pass out anyway those are my those are my memories of creating music and the love that you bring to people it wasn't jazz and we're almost out of time yes talk fast who's who's talking
2: Yes. I'm not musically inclined. I can barely play the radio, but I was once the guest triangle player for the Stanford (laughs) Symphony Orchestra in Stanford, Connecticut. Skitch Henderson was the guest conductor.
1: Wow. Uh, And
2: yes, I got a standing ovation.
1: Do you know how important that is, Jerry, to be part of of an orchestra like that? That's just the triangle, right? I'm living in the triangle now. That's important. Gentlemen, quick, give me a website where people can find you if you want to. Cecil, go ahead first. Cecil Harris Books.com. C E C I L H A R R I S B O O K S.com. Jerry, where can people find you, dear? You
2: can find me probably in the police station, but other than that, <laughs> in uh, between. <laughs> my, my blog is uh, Jerry Zesma, J E R R Y Z, as in zebra, E, another Z, I M, as in Mary A. B L O G S B O T.com.
1: Thank you very much. Mark Rappaport, quick, where well, can people find you? Well, it's not a.
3: The site isn't up yet, but it's recllc.biz.
1: Thank you very much, gentlemen. I'm going to close. We want to say thank you to Aaron. Aaron, wonderful to have you back. Aaron, let me just squeak in my my closing. I'm going to do it breakneck speed here. Life is short. Break the rules, right, guys? Forgive quickly, kiss slowly. It's the only way. Trust me, I know. I've tried them all kiss slowly. Love truly. Laugh uncontrollably. Everybody laugh with me. One, two, three. Ah! <laughs> That's it. And I should open the show with that. And never regret anything that made you smile. Final closing. Work like you don't need the money because even if you do, nobody cares. Just put your heart into it and get it done. Dance like no one's watching. They all used to watch when I was teaching dancing. Sing like nobody's listening. I didn't sing today. Lucky all of you. And love like you've never been hurt because we all have get over it. Let your heart grow and regenerate and let love. In again, Money Talks, Chocolate Sings, and last but not least, don't go away, guys. I want to talk to you afterwards. Last but not least, and I stole this line, Jerry, from somebody. Thank you for turning me on. Everybody wave goodbye. Wave goodbye.
0: Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio, presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777 Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.